What I've been reading about this week is found in Exodus, in Exodus 3 and 4. And I've been trying to think where I'm going to start with this particular story. Um, the Exodus 3 and 4 story, as you all know, is the story of Moses and the story of the release of the children of Israel from captivity. And, you know, I was thinking in the week, the Lord could have done that any kind of way. Like, if he wanted to. He could have just sent a disease that only impacted Egypt. He could have, I don't know, I'm just trying to think, sent them to co sent the Egyptians crazy and have the, have the Israelites walk out. But he didn't choose any of those mechanisms. He picked somebody specific to work through to help free the people of God. And he chose Moses. That's his choice. I'm not going to worry about why or how, um, but he chose Moses. And the two chapters that I'm going to be focused on is the selection of Moses and Moses being scared by the idea of being chosen by God. And I'm using this as an example because I don't want you to get stuck in your fear cycle when God chooses you to do something. Like that's what we all kind of do. I, I started working at this company um, a few years back now. And I must admit, I was a little intimidated when I got to this company. Everybody in here seemed to have a degree from an Ivy League company, from a like Ivy League university, like Brown, Harvard, um, the kind of places that I've never been or will ever go to, right? Um, and so from my perspective, I was thinking, I had this idea of, I don't know if you've ever heard of this idea of imposter syndrome. It's this idea that no matter how qualified I am, I for somehow think I'm not qualified to do that thing. Like I've got my degree from my university, I'm blessed to have done that, I have the fortune in England to have done that, the, the, the blessings to be able to do that. But somehow I didn't think what I had was quite enough. I was looking at what somebody else had and thinking to myself, I bet they think I'm not good enough. That was the strange thing going through my head. It's not, it wasn't rational. It wasn't what was actually happening. It's just what I thought was happening. So every meeting I get, went into, instead of speaking up, I got quieter. Thinking that everybody in this room, as soon as I open my mouth, they're gonna know <laughs> he's not as clever as he thinks he is, right? It's a weird thing that the human uh, psyche does to itself. It like, it takes you and makes you think you're smaller than you actually are, right? You're thinking, I, it was a good idea. I don't know if you've ever done this. Somebody, you've, you've had a really good idea, an excellent idea for maybe a new company, maybe it was an app, maybe it was a business you wanted to open up, and you tell your best friend, and they say, hey, I think I've seen that before. I think I've heard that before. And the idea you thought just five minutes ago was gonna change the world, You've now said, ah, never mind, I won't do it. Have you ever had that happen? Like, and the person you thought was going to encourage you ended up disrupting what you were about to do. <laughs> and this happens to us in our salvation regularly. We think we are limited by the experiences of the people around us. When the Lord has called you to do something specifically, the only thing you have to do is listen to the voice of the Lord. I know that the natural inclination in these situations is to rely on people, but sometimes the Lord wants to speak to you and call you out. So let's go in that mind to Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, we have the call of Moses. 
Moses is being called out from whatever he was doing, and he was actually looking after sheep, and the Lord has called him now to go free the people of, Egypt, of Israel that are in Egypt. And I'm going to read the, what the scripture says in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Verse 2 reads, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Let me just stop there just for a quick second. Uh, what was interesting here, I like curiosity. This is what starts this whole journey for Moses, is just a moment of curiosity. And it actually made me realize that the very opposite of fear, because fear makes you get smaller. Fear makes you hide. Like say, if I saw something that I'm scared of, I'm not gonna go towards it. I'm gonna take my sheep and go the opposite direction. But it wasn't fear that drove Moses towards that bush. It was curiosity. Like, and sometimes I think we need to have this curiosity about the word. This curiosity about what God's going to do with our life. Like, we have to have a habitual vision of what the Lord could do if we only were listening and watching for his word. So curiosity pulled Moses into this situation. Let me keep reading. And when the Lord... So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, and he said, here am I. Moses hears the, his name and says, I'm here. This is me, right here. He knows exactly who he is. He hears his name being called, and I need you to hold on to this thought. He knows exactly who he is. Of course he does. Right? He knows exactly who he is and he knows what his name is and he's being called and he says, here am I. Whole person, I'm right here right now. And this is the response from that. And he said, draw not hither, put thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I, I know who you are, but I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Now we know that Moses knows who he is, but more importantly, he knows who's speaking to him. Like, knowing who you are and doubting who you are is perfectly reasonable. But if you've got nothing else from what I've been saying for the last few weeks, there is no excuse for doubting who he is. Like, I get if you don't feel you're up to a task, but I don't want you to focus on what your abilities are. I don't want you to focus upon what your degree is or whether you have one or not. What I want you to focus on is that the God of Jacob is with you now. Like, <laughs> I, when Moses said, here I am, he was saying, I'm basically a shepherd. <laughs> I have a wife and kids at home. And here I am. Everything that I have is right here. But God said, I am right now. 
the God of Abraham and Isaac. Listen to what he's saying though. I'm gonna read it again because I don't want you to miss what he says. He said, moreover he said, I am not I was the God of Abraham. You see what I'm, there's a difference between saying I was and I am now. Abraham is dead, Isaac has passed, Jacob has passed. But the Lord isn't saying I was the God of Abraham. He's saying I am the God of Abraham. Present tense, for those who are English teachers here, it's a present tense statement. It means I am currently the God of Abraham, meaning the past is right within my grasp. Like I am right now, the God of Abraham. Now Moses maybe thinks to himself, I was a prince of Egypt, but I'm not lonely longer. God is saying whatever God I was in the past, I am right now. Which also unlocks another interesting idea. Whatever God he will be in the future, he is right now. So whatever victory there is for Moses, he already has it in this moment. I don't want you to worry about the past and I don't need you to worry about the future. Yes, Moses is only in this moment a, 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 a shepherd. And yes, he was, he's lost authority, he was a prince. But God is saying, what I was in the past, I'm still that. And what I will be in the future, I am that right now. Meaning, what I say is true. Like, it's got no choice but to be true. If I am the God of the past, and the God of the future, and the God of right now, if I say it now, it always has been. You, you see that? We can trust a God like this. <laughs> All right, let me keep going. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. He's seeing what they're going through. And I've heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am, I, <laughs> he's saying again, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egypt and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large and unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse nine, now therefore behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me and I have also seen the oppression, the kibosh, wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send thee upon unto Pharaoh, that thou mightest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. What a opening statement. He is basically in this first meeting with Moses said, and, and I'm going to use the equivalent here. He's basically said to him, I'm going to send you straight to the president's office in the White House, and you're going to tell him what I said. Meanwhile, he's simply a shepherd, right? right? He's going to, the Lord has asked Moses to go to the most powerful empire, go to the king of the most powerful empire in the world, and tell him that I said to let all your assets go. What? Like we've only known each other for three minutes and this is what you're asking me to do? <laughs> it's no small thing. And now's the time where I think imposter syndrome for me would kick in, right? This is where my imposter syndrome would be like, you're sending me to who to say what? Like now I'm really going to be thinking about your degree in, from Harvard. Now I'm really going to be thinking about the fact that you went to Princeton and you went to Brown, you went to Oxford and you went to Cambridge. How am I supposed to ask for these things 
when I'm hardly qualified. I've been on the run. I've run away from that situation. I don't want to go back. And this is what Moses says. And Moses said unto God, who am I? And I think that is the crux of so much of our fear today that we can't get past it to know what the Lord wants us to do. We're saying to ourselves, Lord, who am I? Why are you picking me to do it? Like, isn't somebody else more qualified for this? Probably, but they're not being selected by God. And you know why they're not being selected by God? <laughs> it's because he's not asking them to do the work anyway. In the previous verse, he said, in verse 8, he said, I am come down to deliver them out. I'm not asking you to deliver them. I'm asking you to deliver a message. <laughs> I'm not asking you to free them. I'm going to do that part. I just need you to deliver my message. <laughs> we take on too much. We take on too much mentally. We take on too much physically. And we need to engage the Lord more and more into what we are doing. Need to ask him to help us. Because he said he was going to do it in the first place. And Moses said unto God, who am I? Imposter syndrome at 100. <laughs> He's saying, why would I, why would they listen? Why am I going to be the one? Remember at the start of this, when the Lord said, Moses, Moses, he said, here am I. He knew exactly who he was. He's a shepherd now. He's not a prince of Egypt. He's given that part up. He's a shepherd. He's got a wife. He's got a father-in-law. He's in a new land. That's who I am right now. And what faith would do was say, if the Lord's called me to something greater, that means that what I am today, I can be way more than this. And he's going to do it. So, and Moses said unto God, who am I that I should go into Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, this is what his response was to Moses' good question, who am I and why would they listen to you? This is the response. And he said, certainly, I will be with thee. <laughs> like, <laughs> the answer to who we are isn't really lying in us. The answer to why I'm standing here today to, before you isn't about me. <laughs> right? It's not, you're asking me, well, why do you, what gives you the authority to pray for somebody? Well, what gives you the authority to say, in the name of the Lord Jesus, this will happen? It's not even about me. <laughs> It's about, certainly he is with us. We don't have to worry about our qualifications. I don't have to worry about what university I went to. Don't worry about that part. You're looking at the wrong part of me. The best part of me is all about him. And he said, certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee. This is going to be the thing that everybody realizes you're with me. <laughs> Look at what he says. That I have sent thee, when thou hast brought the forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. What is the indicator that this was all about God? It's going to be that when you get the chance, the first thing you're going to do is go to the mountain and worship. <laughs> Let me put it another way. The reason why I know he's with us is because our first instinct is that to find the presence of God and to enter into it. Yeah. That's what our first instinct is. Yeah. 
That's how we know he's with us, because we desire to be in his presence more and more and more. So Moses is now throwing back at God all his doubts. His first doubt, and the first doubt we all have is, why me? Who am I? Why should I be the one? That's the first doubt. The second doubt usually is around about this. They don't think much of me anyway. Like, I think me, uh, you've convinced me I'm going to be okay. But what about them? Let's keep reading. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and they shall say unto me, The God of your fathers hath sent, unto you, sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? It's a reasonable question, but it's one grounded in doubt. It's one grounded in doubt. He's basically saying, well, what, what shall I say your name is? And I, they, don't, they have no reason to believe that I'm telling them anything. And what is the Lord's response? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. He doesn't even give him a proper name. <laughs> because he wants Moses to go in belief. What we want, we want to know all the answers before we start dealing with the problem. That's what we really want. We want all the answers first. The truth is Moses gets supplied pretty much all the answers before he's even moving forward. And that's what we want sometimes. We want all the answers. Thank you so much. We want all the answers before we even, I don't even want to start thinking about the problem until Lord, you show me the whole thing. And the Lord's saying, I am that I am right now. <laughs> you have the power within, you've just got to believe in yourself. I am that I am. And he said, thou shalt say unto the children, I am hath sent me unto you. He's saying here that he's the self-existent God. I've talked about this before, that the self-existent God needs no other reference. Where he was going was actually Egypt, and they had several gods there, one of which was the god of the sun, Ra. Amun-Ra was his full name. And he is said to be the god of the sun. What was fundamentally different about this god is that he required no physical object through which to have his power. So the God of the rivers, you take away, a, you have a drought, you, the God of the rivers is said to be done, right? If you're the God of the sky and it's a bad day, then have a guess what? The God of the sky is limited. But what he's saying here with the self-existent God is that I don't need your visual indications that I am God to be God. I don't need any of it. I simply am. I exist by myself. And God said, moreover unto Moses, thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. This is all you need. <laughs> Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, the Lord of your God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob appeared unto me saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Again, Moses isn't being asked to do anything except to deliver a message. And the Lord is saying, I'm gonna do the work. Our fundamental problem is that we put ourselves where the Lord should be. 
<laughs> we think we are being asked to do the work and he's saying, let me do the work, you just carry my message. Yeah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And they shall hearken to my voice, to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us. And now let us go. We beseech thee three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Verse 19 is incredibly important, because it says, and this is the Lord saying to Moses, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not <laughs> let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Look, he's basically saying, I'm gonna send you to give this message and the king of Egypt is going to say no. <laughs> like you're going to fail the first 10 times you ask. That's what the Lord is saying to Moses. You're gonna ask, you're gonna do exactly as I said, the exact way I said to do it, and you're gonna fail, in effect, 10 times. Nine times, right? And then on the tenth time, you're going to absolutely succeed. This is the guy who's, this is the God of, of Abraham saying, I am of the past, and now I'm reaching into the future and telling you what it's going to be. What you should be gathering from this entire exchange, he's, that he's the God of the past, the present, and the future. What you should be gathering from this exchange isn't that he's just giving him a message about what it is, but he's also giving him a message about what it was and what it will be. <laughs> That's why I have complete trust in him. Because he's not just the God of the I am today, he's the God of the I am I was, and he's the God of the I am I will. <laughs> why am I so happy even though I'm going through the worst kind of things? Why am I happy even though I failed nine times? Why am I happy even though the sun is not shining? Why am I happy even though I know that I'm going to fail sometimes? Because I know in the end he's going to make it okay for me. <laughs> he's telling Moses you're going to fail multiple times. And it's going to be okay when you fail. They're not going to listen to you repeatedly. They're not going to hear your prayer. You're going to pray and then nothing's going to happen multiple times. But eventually you'll get there. God being with us doesn't mean we're never going to come up against resistance. God being with us doesn't mean we're not going to experience disappointment. God being with us means that in the end, at the end of the road, we're going to be okay. We've got to endure what was, we've got to endure what is and the limitations of our current moment and say that at some point the Lord is going to deliver us. He said it, and I just believe it. I'm just going to absolutely believe it. <laughs> let, me, let me read a couple more scriptures here. He says, and I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. He's not going to let you go unless I absolutely force him to do it. Unless I absolutely wrench him out of his position and make it happen. <laughs> and I will give his, uh, and I will stretch out my hand. Look who's, who's saying he's going to do it. Not Moses. He's not telling Moses to go do it. He says, I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Like, you're going to fail repeatedly. 
He's going to say no. He's even going to make the situation worse. But at the very last, he will let you go. Like, I am saying that the victory may not be around the corner, but it's coming. It may not be next week, but it's on its way. It may not be. We may not be out of this entire mess we're in. 2022, I don't even know when it's gonna happen, but I do know it's gonna happen. Like, I, you will not get me to not be convinced that the Lord's not gonna do this thing. I just have to believe it. He hears our prayers. He's talking to Abraham, he's talking to Moses right now because he knows that he's heard the cry of his people, meaning he's heard who we were in the past and he's envisioning for us a better end than where we are. I will give this people favor in the sight of Egyptians. Look at how he says he's gonna do this. They're gonna fail multiple times, they're gonna eventually let you go, but listen to these last two verses, and then I have one verse to share in chapter four. He says, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. These people have been slaves for multiple generations, I'm gonna now give them favor. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you will not go empty. He says, you know, you don't have a property, you don't have valuables, you have nothing. But I'm not gonna let you leave Egypt with empty hands. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons and your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. You're not gonna leave empty-handed. They're gonna give you stuff as you're leaving. They're gonna give you that thing that was working against you is gonna now be working for you as you leave. <laughs> the value they extracted from you, and they're now gonna put it back into your hand as you walk out of the tour. I don't know what you're going through today, but the Lord can deliver us completely out of them and have the thing that was hurting us be the thing that blesses us. Exodus chapter four, after hearing all of this, after hearing all of this, this is what Moses comes up with. 4 verse 1, and Moses answered and said, but behold, they will not believe me. He's still about me. He's still focused on me rather than him. He's still saying, Lord, but I know you've said all these wonderful things, but I still, why will they believe me? Like, why am I going to get up from having herded these sheep, walk all the way to Egypt, to tell them all these things, they surely they won't believe me. Like, that's just too much. And so now the Lord starts to deal with Moses in a little bit different way. Let, read, read this first with few verses with me. Verse two says, and the Lord said unto him, what's in thy hand? He basically says, right now he has a shepherd's staff in his hand. He says, what's in your hand? He didn't get anything from anywhere. He just took the thing that Moses had right now in the I am of Moses. Here I am right now. He doesn't wait for Moses to develop because it's not about Moses. So he says, what have you got in your hand right now? Trust me, had he had a pouch in his hand, that's the thing that would have been powerful. <laughs> had, he have, had he had a piece of bread in his hand, that bread would now be the powerful thing. Why? Not because of Moses, but because of who is with Moses. <laughs> The thing you have with you right now that you think is simple, and you say, maybe the only thing I can do is pray. It's just a small thing. Well, 
if it was just you by yourself, that would be a small thing. But if God is with you, that prayer becomes something bigger. You're saying, ah, oh, it's just one prayer I prayed and that was it. That's what your staff is in your hand. <laughs> and God can make it something great for you. And the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? And he cast, and he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. Moses gets scared of the power God gives him in that moment and runs off. And the Lord has to call him back, says, Moses, come on back here, stretch out your hand, go grab it, and it goes and becomes a, a staff again. In his mind, he must now be realizing there's something special going on here, and I'm in the middle of it. Let me read just a few more verses, and I'll get out your way. It says, verse 3, he says, and he said, verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it up by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod. Thank you, Lord. Let me jump down to verse, verse 8. It says, And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first signs, to the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. The Lord is basically telling them, if they, if they don't listen to you, your staff becoming a serpent, and you picking it back up, they're going to listen to some signs I've got coming after that. The, 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 the ten plagues I've got stored up waiting for them, they may not listen to your words, but they're going to listen to my signs, my voice. I don't want you to worry. But still, for some reason, Moses is still frustratingly <laughs> doubting, right? So verse 13, it says, And he said, O oh my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Moses has finally basically, in fact, I've missed a couple of verses. And Moses said unto the Lord in verse 10, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. And Moses is basically again making this about him. Like at this point you would think, you have just shown me this great miracle. Like just right now, another thing he did, he didn't just do the, the staff, he also said, told Moses, he says, put your hand in your, in your chest, in your bosom. And he took it out, his hand was leprous, white as snow. And then he said, put it back in, and it became normal again. He says, I'm going to do great wonders with you. That's his promise. But the fact that you're still doubting should tell you something about the fact that why I need to act so hard with the Egyptians. Because if you're not believing me and I'm the one sending you right now, you can understand why the Egyptians don't believe you when you go. You've got to believe. <laughs> like you've got to be the front line of belief. <sighs> and, the, and this is the only time during this entire exchange where Moses, where the Lord seems to be angry. He didn't get angry when, he, when, when Moses had doubts about what the people thought about him. When he, didn't, when he had doubts about, well, what's your name? Didn't concern him. This is where the Lord's anger starts to get upset. And he says, and the Lord said unto him, who hath made man's mouth? Or who hath made the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have I not the Lord? 
Loads is saying I can't speak very well, they're not going to listen to me, I, I've, I've, got, I've got a speech impediment, I speak slowly. And the Lord says to him, wait a minute, I'm the one who, who, who created speech, I'm the one who created mouths, I'm the one who created ears. <laughs> There's a scripture that says the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. So when I'm asking, surely he'll give me, right? He will give me the ability that I need to make it, because this is his purpose. He says, now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt. Send somebody else to do this work. That's what, basically what he's saying. And verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. All this whole time, the anger of the Lord was not kindled against Moses until he wanted somebody to do his work. You have a work to do that only you can do. And you can't give it to somebody else. Like, it's for you to do. And to walk away from the work that you're supposed to do is going to make the Lord angry with you. And I'm asking you to get courage and figure out what the Lord wants you to do and do it. Doesn't matter what they say, doesn't matter if they laugh, doesn't matter if they doubt you, doesn't matter that they're more qualified than you, doesn't matter if they speak better than you, doesn't matter if they sing better than you, doesn't matter if they dance or shout better than you, doesn't matter if they speak in tongues longer than you, you do the work you're supposed to do, and the Lord is going to do the work he's supposed to do. And the thing is, what he's doing is way more than what you're doing. <laughs> you're just standing there delivering messages and believing and the great work is what he's going to do. I want you to invest and to move forward with courage. The, the scripture actually the minister read, of, I think it was in Joshua. Could you just read the, the, the one you read today? I'm realizing that the message that Joshua got was really the same message that Moses got. Could you read that for me? Yes, sir. Right. Yes. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. Yeah. I will not fail thee, neither will I forsake thee. Right. Be strong. Yes. And of good courage. Yes. For unto this people shall I divide and heritage the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only be thou strong. Only be strong. And very courageous. And very, that's the part that I want us to get into. I want you to be strong. I want you to be courageous. I want you to be very strong and courageous. Don't want you to give in to fear. I don't want you to give in to doubt. Do what the Lord has asked you to do. Be courageous in it. Stand in it. Doesn't matter who agrees with you. Your enemies are definitely not going to agree with you. And your friends may or may not agree with you. And your imposter syndrome will probably be one day with you and one day against you. So don't rely on that either. I'm asking you to trust in the name of the Lord. May the Lord have a blessing in the name of the Lord Jesus.